Welcome again to the UX Research Rundown podcast. My name is Henrik Matson. I am the CEO of Lookback and your host for this show. Uh, in this podcast series, we are talking about uh, what I think is one of the most uh, important and uh, interesting challenges that we're facing in our industry and community, and that is how do we get the people who are building the experiences that we are researching uh, to engage and participate uh, in our research work and uh, leverage all of the wonderful insights that we surface uh, to actually build better experiences. Uh, and we have been talking and we will be talking with a lot of interesting um, researchers from different parts of the industry. Uh, and today we have with us uh, Vanessa uh, Vigel, I'm German, almost, I'm Swedish German. I hope I pronounced that correctly. You can correct me if you want, but thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. That is the correct German pronunciation. Um, I also go by Vanessa Wiegel, the more Americanized version of saying that. Um, and uh, yeah, thrilled to, thrilled to be here on the podcast. Awesome. Uh, what I think is super cool is that you have a uh, an interesting, a little bit different background from some of the other leaders we're talking about, uh, talking with on this podcast. You have you're working in hardware. Uh, you're currently um, uh, the senior director of UX and uh, human factors research at, at Motional, uh, doing self driving taxis. And before that, you were at iRobot building or, or researching vacuum cleaner robots and things like that, right? Uh, and before that, you have a super interesting uh, kind of step before that where you were in uh, at PBS, uh, educational uh, ed educational programming and, and things like that. So super, super interesting mix. Love, would love to hear more about that. So um, I'd love to start, as I always do, with getting your origin story, because I think it's super important, first, as a background to understanding where all of these interesting things that I'm sure you're going to share with us uh, uh, came from. Uh, it can be hard for people when they see, when they, you know, the point of this is to, a podcast like this is to spread knowledge that is there in the industry, but perhaps not accessible to everyone. And we're like a young field and a lot of people. And, and I think it's so important to put that into the context of uh, where those insights kind of came from, because it's rarely kind of a straight straight path. So, uh, could you start a little bit by sharing kind of how did you get into to UX research? When did you realize, oh, I'm a UX researcher, and uh, yeah, things like that. Absolutely, yeah, it definitely was a circuitous route, and I think um, like formative years. I think some helpful context is like my grandfather was a toy inventor in his free time, and he worked full time working on the space shuttle and working for GE on like Gemini and, and such. So it was, uh, I think he had a big influence on me on, uh, in terms of working on technology and then like invention and um, like creating new tools that don't exist um, and toys. And then, uh, you know, I, when I was a kid, I would also see problems that would exist um, and try and, iterate and brainstorm solutions to that. So uh, kind of leading up and this, I, I didn't realize this until I took this job recently at Motional, but um, uh, for instance, I grew up in New England. There's a lot of snow and I had experience as a child riding in the car with my mom and we um, fishtailed off the road in the snow. And so I set about prototyping um, a device for dispensing sand over tires 
um, to try and get traction because it was, it was kind of like a, you know, a, a scary experience. I was like, how can I help? Yeah. And then also, I don't know what this says about my mom's driving. She backed into another car. And so this was before backup cameras existed. So I went about trying to figure out how to hook up a VHS camera to reflect what was behind her. Um, and so I think that those were all kind of early experiences that I had, but um, I actually, you know, um, kind of moved away from that uh, in, in school and thought I was going to be a doctor. And I started as pre-med in my undergrad program. And uh, I was pursuing that. And midway through undergrad, I took what I thought was going to be a blow-off video production course. And I fell in love with storytelling and documentary film and actually ended up getting my degree in, in communications out of undergrad. And from there, I went to uh, work on a documentary series for the History Channel and very shortly thereafter moved to PBS, which you had mentioned, working on um, educational television and websites um, and later mobile apps. And I was working on um, one of the PBS shows, Arthur, and we were working on an educational um, website to help parents and children with a variety of health issues, asthma, um, peanut allergies, et cetera. And I was talking to a designer, a graphic designer at the company, and she was like, we should really, and she introduced me to the, the concept of thinking about user needs and like, how should we be thinking about the needs of like a parent coming to this website? And um, I started doing some research on what sounded like a really interesting field. I discovered um, uh, Bentley University's Human Factors Program, sat in on the foundational Human Factors course. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so interesting. It's, it's leveraging an understanding of the brain and human behavior to design, design better products and services. Like this feels like the perfect fit. And so I, I um, started uh, getting my degree while I was still working at PBS and introducing um, user research and UX design to the organization. And then from there, I joined iRobot to, to uh, found and then build up their design research practice and then move most recently to emotional where I am now. Wow. That's quite a story. I love that. So, so do you identify a bit as, uh, as almost like an inventor or is it more, uh, it sounds, there's, I hear two things here. One is like you're, you're, you, you fall in love with problems. You know, you see the problem you're like, how can we solve this? And then, but you also have this kind of, how can we like, actually building the solution, <laughs> like hacking together different cameras and stuff like that for the backup. Uh, is this kind of, is it still a mix in you or have you really landed in this kind of understanding the problem and, and helping others solve it, if I put it like that? Yeah, I think I think um, what I most enjoy and what my skill set is, is uh, most linked to right now is, is really understanding problems, understanding the needs and helping um, working with designers to brainstorm and develop concepts, the terms, the actual execution of that. Um, uh, I haven't leaned into that for a while. And I think there are, you know, more skilled designers and prototypers out there than what I can offer. But I love that process of like finding those design opportunities and exploring different ways to address those needs. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I was talking to Matt Gallivan from from Slack yesterday. I don't know if you know him, but but he he said this interesting thing that because I was fishing for like what are some of the characteristics and skills that we need as research leaders, and he mentioned that well you you need to know what you're good at, but you also need to know what you should leave kind of to others. So there seems to be like some of this increased specialization. So yes. uh, super interesting. Uh, okay, cool. So. Uh, 
I'm going to shift over to kind of the main theme of the podcast, which is, you know, how do we get people involved? And uh, there was something in what you said. I don't know if the if the audience also kind of got that feeling, but I really got this feeling that you're, you're, you go straight for the, you have a, a fascination with problems. Like, I don't know if you, if you recognize yourself in this, but very like, and almost like a, um, uh, not pre-professional kind of, you know, it, it wasn't when it wasn't your job to put sand in front of the wheels. It's just like you're interested in the problem, and and it, it made me think about that. Often, when we what we're doing when we're getting engagement is to is to help other people fall in love with the problems that we have fallen in love with, kind of a little bit. Like, w- would you agree with that? And 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 what have been some of your experiences in kind of trying to commute, you know, the storytelling also that you have in, in all of this and your experience, like telling great stories and everything, like what has been your, your journey as a storyteller, like trying to lift problems and, and help other people get involved in it? Yeah. I think I've, I've had the good luck and, and fortune that I've just naturally with the, the companies I've worked for, I've, I've found a lot of people who love the problem um, but who need help in figuring out how to solve it. Uh, and so I don't always have to develop passion for solving the problem, but develop passion for why this is why user research is the avenue or the platform through which to answer that uh, and, and solve that problem. Um, the storytelling component um, and, and kind of leveraging that background in, in film and, and documentary has been very helpful in terms of um, evangelizing research, bringing kind of case studies to life to show like this is the impact we can have, but also really just making the data come alive um, and and, uh, adjusting that. Because I think as we know, like you don't just do one readout and expect that that's, you know, that's going to get acted on or that's the best way to socialize insights with an organization. Um, And so we think about not only what happens in that readout in a long form format, but then how we disseminate insights in shorter form content and I think a lot of what we did uh, to get our stakeholders engaged at iRobot kind of um, uh, was connected to that. But where, where I always start with with engagement um, of stakeholders is when I get to a, a new org or when I have a, a researcher joining the company is really to encourage them to apply their research. Start by applying your research practices to your stakeholders understand like what are their driving motivations? What are the problems keeping them up uh, at night? And really seek to understand their anxieties and their level of understanding of our processes and what sort of biases or assumptions they might have around that. Really thoughtfully choose that first project that you um, that you are going to tackle with them. And it might actually be more tactical than strategic at first because you want to kind of show some immediate value. Um, get them engaged in doing a, a brainstorm of, of research questions. We have a process of doing this at a quarterly basis where we come together and it's the researcher, the product manager, the engineers, the designers. And if relevant, we try and pull in maybe like the data scientist, uh, if, if that's applicable. And then in my case at iRobot, where it was interdisciplinary, the market researcher, and we're jointly all together brainstorming what are the questions we need to answer what are the challenges we have with the product right now we're mapping that out by the type of research that it merits is it more discovery exploratory uh, definition research or or validation research and then we're uh, choosing that first study 
And the researcher is bringing them aboard from like, this is my proposal, getting feedback. Um, here's the people I'm thinking about recruiting and here's why and talking through that, depending upon the method, um, you know, if it's interviews, engaging them, we do a lot of ethnographic work. We do a lot of contextual inquiry, diary studies. So finding ways to engage them in the, in the process of um, uh, the data analysis and collection, um, sometimes doing joint analysis sessions with them uh, when we've had a little time to initially process it. And then um, after that, of course, there's the readout, but after that readout, thinking about other ways to, um, you know, go beyond that um, workshops that we plan around the implementation of the recommendations and making sure that we're drumming home, you know, what is the insight? What is the recommendation? I think sometimes these get misinterpreted or you can't rely on one readout for people to fully understand that. Of course, it helps when they've been there the whole journey and they, they, they more deeply understand it. And then figuring out, kind of fun ways to not only engage that group, but the broader organization in the research process. So we've tried a variety of different paths for that from, you know, the typical lunch and learns to um, AMAs, ask me anything's on Slack to we had a family feud game show with like facts about user research. And we had like interdisciplinary teams and, and everyone competed against their knowledge of our users so I think it's just finding, you know, I think I think that's maybe where the storytelling and kind of the film has kind of helped and played out in my own strategy for being effective as a researcher. Wow. So so it sounds like transparency is really key. Am I getting that right? And kind of just like involving everyone from the get-go, basically, like even before you're starting. Because uh, it sounded to me, if I understood you correctly, that what you're doing is you're doing like an internal discovery first it's not like your team goes out in the world and tries to find what's wrong with the product you start internally in the team yeah so we um we start by like what is our existing knowledge mm. what is actually knowledge separating knowledge from assumptions and then figuring out what we need to learn i always like to begin with you know any sort of secondary research that we might be able to leverage and then that's the foundation for going out and conducting primary research we don't want to duplicate efforts that have already happened. We want to leverage the knowledge of our stakeholders. And at minimum, we want, we want to understand, you know, what are their hypotheses and assumptions? And then how do we leverage that knowledge, um, you know, in any research that we undertake? Ah, I love this. So, so, oh, I have so many questions. So, so what, because here's, here's what I hear. I, I hear an approach that I think based on everything else that I've been hearing from other people who have like really had success with getting engagement. I think what you're doing is you're, you're attacking directly or attacking is the wrong word, but you're, you're really approaching this from kind of a building trust, building engagement, building relationships from day one. And that's what I hear from that's, that's a common thread from like other research leaders too, that like, this is a big part of the job, but it's so interesting that you start right away into that rather than kind of, doing research and then trying to like do this as a parallel process. It's like your research process starts with this almost. It sounds like to me. So, so that's super interesting. What, what's the, uh, how does that look like in the kind of in the first, I don't know what the timeline is here, week or, or two, like what are some of the kind of the challenges that you may meet? What's some, how do people react to this? Are they, Oh, I've never been treated like this by a research team before, or is it like, oh, this is great, or like, oh, I don't understand why I have to be in these meetings, or like, what? What's the reaction in the team? How is this received? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think it, it depends on the team. It depends on the organization. I think, um, 
I, I think to be clear, we don't like day one, like get on the calendar and like, here, you know, here's what UX research is. And like, let me understand your needs. But, you know, uh, my approach when I enter a new organization is to um, kind of leverage my key partners, whether it's, you know, in UX design or product management or uh, what have you to just kind of understand like the relative maturity of the organization for research, who are the key people that I need to understand and influence, where can we add the most value in your position, kind of like get a sense of the lay of the land and then utilize that knowledge and whatever strategy approach I take with those individual stakeholders. Um, but it is jumping into that and beginning the trust building pretty early. Um, I find that when we've tried the opposite route of like, let's do some research and then try and build credibility that way and then build a relationship, it's not as effective as like understanding like what are their needs, anxieties from the from the get go and taking that into account in that first project. Um, I find that's more effective. And then and, and then you, you know, they, they see that value versus like, maybe I would have executed that first study differently had I had a deeper understanding of those needs and, and hypotheses and assumptions. So I found that to work to work better. And but it is kind of getting the lay of the land and then kind of engaging with those stakeholders and like and, and really trying to understand them and then undertaking that first project. Interesting. So. I, I can tell to me, this makes perfect sense, given, you know, what I've seen in my life, but, and I could guess a little bit about why this is more, more, why this works better, but I'd love for you. And you already mentioned, you know, your, the, the, the quality of your first study is improved by like actually having done this work first. Right. But could you deep dive into some of the other, uh, you know, for people that are just trying out, like, what is it, what should you, why do you think that this is a kind of better approach? Like, why do you think it works? Uh, what are some of the drivers behind that? Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the alternate approach is for you to go out and, and you know, you, uh, based on your, your knowledge without working closely with stakeholders, say like, this is a need, let me go about executing this study. And then you're bringing that data back to them. And I think the challenge is like, maybe that would work in an organization where actually your stakeholders are, um, have a, have worked with researchers in the past have a certain level of familiarity with process, but I've found that um, it is, there are oftentimes more questions about like, why was this your choice of methodology? How do we know these are the right people? And because um, they weren't part of the process, like it's kind of like this black box of how you got to these insights at the end versus, you know, and even if they are a little, you know, have worked with researchers, every researcher is a little bit different. Your approach is a little bit different. So I feel like when you start with that relationship building and you start with that transparency into the process, it builds more trust because otherwise people make assumptions about maybe how you came to your conclusions or what that looks like or like how much confidence can I have in the data. But when you're engaging them, not only are they seeing that and they have that transparency, but you're eliciting feedback so you can be responsive to any concerns along the way and be addressing those. And it really starts to feel like a partnership versus like, let me, you know, toss a bunch of data over the fence to you and like hope that you receive it with open arms. Mm. Very wise, I think. Okay. So when I've talked to other people about, the trust building exercise, there's like, there's two, there are two challenges that kind of people talk about, right? So one is the one that you're solving by this approach, which is the almost personal trust. Like this team member works with this team member and trust and this is this 
trust is built and and a good a good working relationship for future work is established right that's one one part the other part is like yes everyone loves this that happens but then kind of the incentive structure of the whole organization and the way that work is organized kind of gets in the way of that really kind of blooming out into what it into what it could be uh, and then uh, have you experienced those kind of obstacles and if so like what have you done to to overcome them can you say a little bit more about kind of like what some of the when you say like work getting into the in the way of those relationships is there an example that you're thinking of right yeah so let's say that you're because you have this approach that is it starts very early with with the let's say you're working with developers or or it depends on how the thing is is organized obviously but let's say developers right and they sit in their processes that is kind of managed by perhaps a product manager or engineering manager or something like that and they have their sprints or whatever and then your process comes in and it's appreciated actually by the developers on the team but it doesn't fit with you know they don't have time to go to those meetings or they you know they're busy doing something else or they need to kind of ship or they need to do something else so sometimes like the way that work is organized can get in the way of things that everyone agrees uh, is is a better way to to work but it's just not the way it works so i was just curious if you if you've seen that and and what you've done about it. I've definitely seen and experienced that. And I think um, there have certainly been times where, you know, you have, um, uh, whether it's developers or engineers and the way that the engineering organization um, is, is, is structured, you don't actually have embedded resources working on product teams. And so there can be that tension of like, they're being pulled in a number of different directions, priority wise, and they're interested in the work, but they just have limited ba- bandwidth. Um, one of the approaches that has, has worked there is um, trying to, uh, you kind of take a little bit of a bespoke approach to that, that first opportunity or that first study you try and undertake with that partner and, and get them bought into the process. And then they're the ones who end up advocating to their manager or whoever, like we should be working more closely. Um, is there a way for us to, and I've, I've had this happen, like how can I carve out more of my time to be focused on this problem um, versus supporting generalized needs? Um, I mean, the ultimate solution, and this is again happened, is, is when we show how effective we can be when we work in, in, in on product teams and have embedded resources from um, design and engineering, we're working together and we are all familiar with the problem um, and we just move so much faster Then that oftentimes motivates structural changes within the organization that then, that then pay off. Um, it also kind of depends how your organization, um, like the origin story of your organization. And like when I was at um, iRobot, like um, my group actually started in the engineering org. So we naturally had a lot of strong connections there um, and understanding and product management was a separate organization. And then we got, were pulled out into a separate product org, but because we had those relationships with engineering, it made it actually quite easy um, to kind of uh, continue that goodwill and, and, and that level of partnership Versus when you're in an organization where um, you've always been separate, products has always been separate from engineering, it requires a, a bit more kind of legwork to understand like what are our R&R is, how do we, you know, what is the value, what value can product bring, how do we understand the challenges that our engineering counterparts are facing, um, and, and uh, how, do we, how do we be attentive to that in the way we approach research? Mm. So... 
Oh, I have so many questions. I need to prioritize. This is so interesting. <laughs> so, so you recently moved from iRobot to to Motional, and to the extent that you're like you know free to share uh, and and comfortable sharing, like it seems like you you had a lot of good experiences at iRobot, and and I'm I'm assuming that you're trying to implement them and like bring this method of working like into into your new into your new workplace and kind of. What, how is that going? And like, what are some? Is it this? Is it the same challenge? Or you know, you're facing the same challenges, or it's something else? Or uh, yeah, please, if you can, share some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there are a lot of similarities um, between the organizations in terms of um, you know we're working robotics, strong R and D uh, capabilities, and like getting the you know it, it's nascent technology. We're trying to like get it to work technically, but also factor in like the human computer interaction, human machine interaction components. Um, so I think there, iRobot uh, went on a journey and it started before I got there. And I was there for, 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 uh, for part of that as well of kind of shifting into being more consumer user focused. And I think Motional is very much on that journey um, uh, right now. And it's exciting to be a part of that and to be able to kind of, um, you know, leverage some prior experiences, how to work most effectively um, with our with our partners in engineering, for instance, uh, to our current uh, work here at Motional. And, 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 you know, not every strategy that worked at iRobot will work at Motional. And there are, there's unique, um, there's a uniqueness to the work and a higher level of complexity in the fact that we're working on, on uh, you know, uh, robo taxis. Um, and the nature of our product development process is even more complex when we factor in that we work with partners like Lyft and Uber who control, say, like the ride hailing app component of that. We're designing all of the HMI and technology within the vehicle itself. And then we're a joint venture with Hyundai. Um, so Hyundai is uh, working to develop the actual vehicle itself and the, the hardware there. And so we have multiple partners that we need to work through. So the complexity of our product development process and the level of collaboration is is um, is definitely different. And so it merits its own, it, there are its own challenges and strategies that we're kind of figuring out how to best work together, how to communicate, how to align on, um, you know, our roadmap together most effectively. But I, a lot of the, a lot of the the core strategies and things that have worked in the past certainly apply in this context as well. Yeah. Well, as you're saying that it, it's, it, it seems pretty clear to me that be, because every place is different, this approach of starting with kind of like an internal discovery mm-hmm. is, is just the right starting step because place, places are different. So you can't just start with like the research and then do, um, Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, it takes a little while to kind of assess, you know, where you can add the most value. And there's so much opportunity and we see so much opportunity to conduct research and inform our processes and, and, and kind of uh, pull in different types of data, um, behavioral, attitudinal, et cetera. Um, uh, so it just, uh, you know, you, you kind of, you need a little. You need to give yourself a little bit of leg room or, 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 or time to kind of establish that foundation to then actually make smart, 
strategic decisions about where you invest your energy. What are the projects you go after? I mean, some problems, you know, are, are like pretty consistently articulated by stakeholders when you join an organization, but sometimes you just have to experience them for yourself and you might see different things than they do coming in with an outsider's perspective. Right. Uh, so unfortunately we have to start rounding this discussion off, but one last question I have, um, Could you say something for the people who are, you know, they haven't experienced this journey yet, but they they think that this sounds lovely and they want to achieve this in their as research leaders in, in their places. Um, can you tell some say something about like the time perspectives and like some of the, the how do you manage your your uh, your, your almost I almost said your sanity, but like how do you manage your focus in all of this work that needs to be done? Because this sounds like a like a journey that's like it, it's going to take some time. It's going to be some up and downs. You're going to have to do a lot of you, you have to do the work, but you also have to do the relationship building. Like any 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 advice to people who are kind of just starting this journey, things to look out for. What would it look like uh, from the inside and, and like different management strategies there? Yeah, I think um, I think as researchers, like we we are so eager to show the value, like demonstrate value that we just want to jump right in. And depending upon the organization, there's, there's a lot of complexity to kind of like to, to data points to gather and to process. Um, so it definitely is a journey. And like I'm six months into my new role at, at, at Motional and there's still things that I'm learning every day about whether it's a product or the organization. So I think, you know, the most important thing is to, to establish kind of a, a realistic kind of whether it's your, your first 90 days or your first six months kind of plan, learning plan um, and and just be um, kind to yourself about you know what it is you have accomplished. I think it's good to hold yourself accountable to say like one or two. These are my one or two priorities, like high level strategic priorities this month that I'm going to focus on. And I've. I mean, I've struggled through this myself. Um, you know, I, there's so much you want to do. And when you're just trying to kick the can down the road a little bit on many, on too many things, nothing comes to fruition. And so I think it's been a lot of like both discipline and like, you know, empathy for, for myself and like, you know, what I can accomplish and just trying to focus efforts and know that it's, it's, it's a continuing journey. But the good news is, and what I've seen is it it's a flywheel. So there's a lot of work to start and then you get a bunch of, you know, um, irons in the fire and then it just, it gets easier and easier and you build up more and more momentum. Um, and so, uh, and you're building up that trust and the credibility all the way. So like the, the amount of time you need to spend kind of, um, evangelizing or influencing or like, um, trying to, um, uh, articulate like why this is the right approach, like that, that kind of diminishes over time, which is, which is good. Awesome. Oh, what a what a perfect place to um, to end! Like realistic hope, <laughs> you will get the flywheel going. It's worth it. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, you will get there, and you. It's just like celebrate the small wins you have along along the way and along that journey. And um, you know, I, I think few people would claim like I perfected this. Like it is, there are no issues. It's perfectly seamless. Everything's working flawlessly. Um, and if you get to that point, then like go on to the next opportunity. Yeah. Solve it again. If it were easy, everyone would do it. So um, very good. Very good. Thank you so much for sharing all of these uh, incredible insights. I'm sure the audience uh, had a lot of value from this. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
Awesome. And uh, yes, for everyone who's listening and like this kind of stuff, uh, this is uh, just one of many episodes with uh, interesting research leaders in our industry. Uh, there's also a newsletter, the research UX Research Rundown newsletter that you can subscribe to for more content like this. Uh, so until next time, happy researching and uh, be kind to yourself, uh, as we heard in this podcast. It's very important. We'll get there. Take care. Bye-bye.